Welcome to another episode of Professional Awesome Hypercritical Radio. Today's show is presented by Fuel Lab. Fuel Lab has been a proud supporter of Professional Awesome for quite some time now. We have their uh, fuel surge tank in our S2000 as well. It's been using their brushless fuel pumps in our Evo for, gosh, for a while. Um, great products. Be sure to go there. Check out their website. Uh, even check out their new uh, quick uh, change uh, fuel surge tank. Um, and courtesy of us, you get a special discount code. Just type in Tyrone at checkout and uh, you get a little bit off. So do me a favor, do us a favor, and go check it out. And while you're at it, might as well give us the goddamn reviews I'll keep asking for. But anyways, to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another one of these professional, awesome, hypercritical radio podcasts. I'm Hayden Lowe, and I'm one of these host people. That's what I am. And I'm joined by... Michael Lewin. Devin Jazz. Dan O'Donnell. And, and Jason Kanakri. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that guy. We got a special I, guest. We, you can, jump you can on. We, we only do podcasts once every six months because Hayden <laughs> didn't know what he was supposed to do to introduce our guest. Do you want, do you want to try again, Hayden? Hey, whoa. You're blaming yeah. me? He jumped on yeah. me. Get out of no, here. No, 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 no. It's your fault. Anyway, okay. you're going to. Don't blame have, it on the lag. And we, and we have a special guest today. <laughs> I'm Jason Knackery. All right. There we go. So those of you who don't know who Jason is, you probably know his car. And what car is that? Which one? Uh, Dodge Omni? Yes, the Omni. Omni. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, yeah. the Omni. Yes. Dodge Omni. Extremely no, so I have, Omni. Yeah, yeah. Also, I have a uh, track mod McLaren 720S. There you go. So you've seen that black McLaren 720S and that, and this is the individual who drives it. So Jason, yeah. we like to do on these podcasts is we like to start off and understand where you started racing, why you're racing, all that fun stuff. So we can get some background there and then we can go in and start talking about how you've managed to drive probably one of the most expensive MSRP cars that have races in grid life ever. Right. I don't think there's anything close. Recently. Yeah, I, don't think, I mean, no, not MSRP. Well, maybe yeah. Andy Hollis. Sure. That's the same car. Andy, yeah, 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 sure. I don't, but I don't know if he does. I don't know if he does grid life. I think he's done one, right? He's done yeah, one. He's got less. Yeah. He's got less carbon fiber too, so it's a lower MSRP. Oh yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Of course, he's not not. What about that loser? Yeah, exactly. fucking poor. Yeah. <laughs> fucking pinky wasn't up, man. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe anybody would bring that thing to the track without that without <laughs> enough carbon fiber. Anyway, so what? <laughs> what got you started in racing? Like what? What got you into? Where you are now in terms of, obviously, you, you're racing grid life. You said limited class with McLaren and all that fun stuff. So where did this start? You know, when did you start driving cars? Why do you like cars? Sure. All that fun stuff. So I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and we used to do, like, a bunch of dirt road backcountry stuff. May or may not have doing this after school at night in the wintertime. And then kind of did some, some SCCA stuff before I went into the Air Force and then really dove into autocross, I guess you could call it. I did a lot of Kansas City autocross in 2000, 2001, 2002. Got out of the military, went back to the UP and started doing more track days, going to Road America, stuff like that. Um, actually got really deep into like motorcycle racing. So I thought that was the cheaper smarter option to do fast car things. So when I was autocrossing, 
I was using like a Taurus SHO or a Contour SVT. Like just that. sinking stupid amounts of money into these cars that, I mean, back then were pretty pricey, right? So $18,000. Sure. Big um, respect for the show. Yeah, it was fun. And then, uh, so then I got into motorcycle racing and did a bunch of stuff there and then ended up started doing car events. So I would do similar stuff to like as grid life started. So I would rent out gingerman and all these taurus sho guys or contra svt guys would show up there we ran out the whole track this was before like 10b even existed and we'd sit there and you know have fun and see who'd go the fastest when we were trying to break 140 at without 10b and our little right. 200 horsepower you know contours and shos right and then somewhere in there i stopped doing track stuff and started focusing on more off-road stuff so i put on the largest ford raptor event in the country in the upper peninsula i drive for roush performance at sema so if you've ever seen a picture of a raptor being jumped it was more than likely me at sema intentionally yeah, yeah. So we build like a huge jump in the middle of the Ford out front, which they don't do anymore. Right. Now it's, I think, where the it's drift area is. Drifting. Yeah, it's yeah, now it's drifting. So Justin Pollock and I, I would be in the Raptor. Justin Pollock would be in the demo car. There's a bunch of videos. He's drifting around me while I'm doing things and a bunch of other stuff. And then I had this idea that I was going to get back into doing track stuff because it, I was becoming very bored doing off-road track stuff. So I bought a GT350R. This was probably 2019, 2018. Bought a 350R, blew it up at Gingerman. Bought another one, blew that one up at Gingerman. Sick, oh, sick. Good start. Good start. So not the Welcome back. To blow some <laughs> shit up. At, the fuck. So I blew up two contours that I skipped at Gingerman. So same turn eight nine. It's all. It's always turn eight nine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, for sure. Then, so at the same time, I started putting on supercar rally events. So Savage Rally. That's my event. So we put on stuff all over the country and I was like, this Mustang isn't cutting it. What do I want? I need a track car. I need a GT3 RS. So I went out and bought a GT3 RS one month before the world shut down in 2020. Went out, did some stuff with it. I think it ran completely stock, like a 135 at Gingerman. Stock set up, up in old tires. In? Nope. Thank God. Not I was one. waiting for it. <laughs> no, not that one. So that one still runs my butt about it off me. Way to go, Porsche. <laughs> yep. It's like the only car I haven't blown up. Fun fact. Yeah. We're going to get into the next one. Yeah. Well, no, there's one in between there, too. Oh, oh, so, okay. Good. So we were at Carolina Motorsports Park, and one of my buddies has, uh, he still has it, uh, McLaren 600 LT. And we're laughing and he's just five seconds a lap faster than these four seconds. So I'm like, what is going on here? And he's like, it's the car. Like I'm faster in the turns. This car's just a rocket in straight lines. I'm like, I got to get one of these. So I sold the GT3 RS, 
bought a McLaren 600 LT. First time I went out on it was that Gingerman. <laughs> The seven. <laughs> on on slicks, so I had a set of Michelin SM slicks. Oh, and slicks. okay, yeah, yeah, SM sevens or what? Yep. God, and you just went right to the good, good. That's mm-hmm. nice. Yep. Like my goal was, I'm like, all right, this thing's got to be significantly faster. So right. on the second lap in the car ever, I did a one thirty two. And then the six, then the six laugh, it blew up. <laughs> I can't even. That's so fucked. <laughs> it oil starved uh, cam phaser, and the whole right side of the motor died. Oh my god! Do, do they not have dry sumps, or they do? But the cam phaser side ruined it. it. Ain't enough. Yep. The oh, cam phaser jumped you... just enough timing to take that itself out. Well, let me let me stop you just for a second. Sure. Obviously. McLaren is meant to be a track car. That's why they exist. Do you talk to McLaren and be like, hey, this WTF, is mate. Doing what yeah. <laughs> like, WTF, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I, I mean, it was covered under warranty. Basically, that's the, bonus, that's the bonus of that car. It had a warranty. So when it happened, I called McLaren service, and I was like, you need to come and get your car. They're like, where are you at? I'm like, Gingerman Raceway. Send somebody to get it. And somebody showed up three hours later. We started it up. So it blew up. I did a whole nother lap and passed seven cars on that lap. Okay. Good job. Is that under warranty as well then? (laughs) It's a warranty lap. You're just insuring. (laughs) Yep. So with the half motor, with a half a motor, I think it ran a 137.8, something like that. Pretty good. Not too bad. I, I think you'll probably have the fastest lap for a half motor McLaren for a while. I bet. I bet. True, 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 true. Most yeah. people probably stop. Most people, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say so. You different. So then there's, <laughs> if it's under warranty, who gives a shit? They're <laughs> going to fucking. There's some. There's some you <laughs> fucking run yeah, until it stops. Like, until they're like, uh, uh, wait a the second. Rod's, the rod's still in it. What you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to make sure. I want to make sure it was broke. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't have any holes in it. So uh, that's terrible. So had that one and then used that at AMP. So I think I, I think I still hold the grid life AMP track overall record. And then like halfway through 2022, I was like, I don't want to do anything with this car anymore. Like I want something different. And I always wanted a 720, but at the time they were just drastically more expensive. And the 600s came up in value and the 720s kind of went down a little bit. So it was almost a direct swap across. So I had to basically pay the sales tax between the two cars and it was a direct swap. So $12,000 in sales tax, something like that. 13 grand. All right. Cool, 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 cool. That's the most expensive car I've ever bought. Yeah. That's the most low-key flex you've ever fucking done right now. Yeah, oh, no, yeah I pay 12 k in tax more than most of you bullshit cars. <laughs> <laughs> pay more taxes than your car's worth. <laughs> Take that, bitch. <laughs> All right, continue. Oops, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that was... I got that car, the 726 days before Lime Rock last year. And then just threw all my 
600 stuff on it. So wheels and tires ran it in street mod at Lime Rock, then ran it at Heartland Motorsports Park last year. And then this year over the winter time, I basically started putting everything that a 765 has on it. So 765 Arrow. I think I sent you guys some messages about, hey, I have this silly idea for some, you know, ducting. Because the issue with the 720 is it has no real front downforce. Like it weighs nothing in the front. There's no engine up there, obviously. Sure. It weighs like 750 pounds in the front. So it does a lot of things really, really well, but it is terrible at high speed understeering. It just will yeah. understeer itself well, right off the track. Yeah. yeah. The lawyer's gotten charged of the dynamics on that one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the rich people buying these need to slide forward off the, <laughs> off the road instead of backwards. So, yeah, did a bunch of stuff arrow-wise and started racing it in, in 2023. Yeah, this year. So, four wins, three track mod records. I ran a 130.9 at Gingerman on like suboptimal conditions on 200 treadwear tires. Yeah. What tires were you so, running for track? Line? I think that, and well, normally I would run the supercar three R's, okay. but I think that weekend I had on some RE 71 RS's. Gotcha. So, so, which was 285 rear. You want to know when you blew it up. Yep. So oh, then, no. so then we go to is. Road America for what is it? A demo lap, I guess we were calling it because it didn't really equate to anything. Yeah, There's no points, care. no nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. And it's like an extra. Jackie. Yeah. And Jackie and my goal was to beat the Porsche GT3 RS, the 992 GT3 RS record that had just come out. And they, they did like a 213.5, I think. What's that? Lee Keen's record? It was a Porsche factory driver. I don't know who said it. I think, yeah. I think that, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I think that was Lee Keen who drove it. Or I'd have to look it up again. Yeah. So Jackie and I are talking, and I'm on an old 200 Treadwear setup, and the thing's running 217s. And then we go into like the second, and the speeds are just insane. I don't know if, how fast your, how fast the Evo goes down the streets, but so the 720 hits like 182 and then 184, like into five. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like everywhere, it's insane. Going into the kink, it's doing 155. Okay, and so like fine. everyone, everyone's like, so are you flat through the kink? I'm like, no, you're, no one's going flat at 155 <laughs> in a, in a, don't you still see my face? I'm not dead. Right. So yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so you blew up a McLaren. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, two, yeah. Two of them technically. So yes. yep. We, we, so the, you were going down, you went 155 in the kink and you couldn't go flat out because obviously physics exist. So yep. what actually happened to that car then? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I did 116 through the kink, uh, just so not 155. <laughs> just so David's there. Just yeah. so we're, just so we're all, so we're all clear. <laughs> You're not so an F1. So the next, yeah, yeah. 
so the next lap or the I think the third session maybe Jackie and I are talking we're like all right this is this might be our best chance let's let's push this lap so we were going and I think the first lap I did a 117 or 217 sorry and then but my speeds were lower coming into five almost 10 miles an hour slower wow. I'm like that's strange that's all right whatever just keep yeah. just keep going and we go to the next lap <laughs> and does this one have a warranty backup warranty or no no warranty yeah so this All car right. continue so, so cross the start finish line go through one and i'm like man it just feels so much slower but the time's dropping so i'm carrying more speed through one being more and more confident go through five and now the predicted's a 213.4 or something like that and i'm wow. like holy crap. Okay. Stay on it. And it goes up through six. It's still going, go down into eight downshift and the car locked up, spun me around to the inside of the grass and basically threw a huge hole through the bottom of the dry sump. So impressive. <laughs> Longs, we pulled the under tray we already knew how to do this because on the way out there, I had a trailer failure and yeah, we actually drove next. <laughs> yeah. So we drove the car. So basically from Detroit, we drove the car, the McLaren all the way to road America, but in Illinois or Indiana at that first rest area on 94, we stopped there and it wouldn't restart and okay. needed a new starters. So we had to hit up McLaren, Chicago, go buy a starter have it brought change a starter in the in the rest area parking lot and then go back it was a whole process getting there that sucked. Fucking so yeah the whole weekend pretty much was terrible on the Where engine is the starter <laughs> touche um how bad is it to get in a parking lot it's actually not that bad i think it was eight bolts so eight bolts on the under tray and then we had we lifted the whole back of the car up disconnected the sway bar bushings, pulled the sway bar out of the way because everybody thinks that the 720 with its fancy hydraulic suspension doesn't have a sway bar, but it still has a rear sway bar. So we pulled that rear sway bar out of the way and then you could easily get to the three bolts, pull the three bolts out. And it looks like a shortened version of like a open wheel starter where it has that super long shaft oh, yeah. that drives like a little cog at the end. It's that, but the shafts may be five, six inches long. And I thought our weekend was over then. I called McLaren in Chicago and they're like, oh yeah, we have one in stock. I saw it yesterday. So. Is it a common failure? Why did they have it in stock? It seems like an interesting. I thing. have no idea. It was strange. And $2,000 on the side of the road for a starter. Uh, that was my next question is if it had a McLaren tax attached oh, yeah. to it. <laughs> Nothing's Fuck cheap. Hell. Nothing's cheap. So, 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 I mean, you've only blown up like twelve cars or something like that, right? Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not counting, but it's hard to count at this point. Yeah, yeah, maybe thirteen or fourteen. Okay, so we know what you're good at. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah. So you you got when you when it blew up, did they figure out what's wrong with it? Did you figure out like why it blew up? Like what? Yeah, it doing? had a fucking hole in it, Mike. That's why it blew yeah, up. <laughs> it has a hole in it. What caused so the hole? Like so there's a couple of, there's two camps of this situation. So 
the car made 830 at the wheel. So tune down pipes, a uh, bunch of stuff. So basically it could make 315 running a hundred octane, but I only ran 93 all the time on a 91 tune. It just, it didn't need it. Doesn't need any more than that. So there's a camp that believes that the tune blew it up. So 720s are pretty high strung to begin with. They make sure. 690 horse at the wheel stock. And they have fancy rods and all this other stuff, but the fancy rods aren't really made to make 700 pound feet of torque, right? Like it's just not what they're there for. So there's one camp that believes that the tune caused it. There's another camp that believes when we change the oil, because we did it ourselves, it's actually not that difficult, but the owner's manual says to put 2.4 gallons of oil in, which is 9.7 quarts. Sure. So we put two gallon, two and a quarter gallons of oil in, and then it wouldn't start. There was so much oil in the car, it was basically hydro-locking itself. So it just wouldn't even crank? It would go click, and that's it. Until the so battery you took, died. You took oil out of it and it started? Yep. So basically, we jumped it, got it starting, and it was smoking like crazy. It was like literally like you were like smoking out your backyard trying to kill mosquitoes so shut like it off was was clogged it had oil in it and it was going back into the intake yep shut it off got it into my lab that i have and there's raw oil flying out of the exhaust while it's running good oh, that's positive shit. so that's going through turbo. <laughs> you said that's the going to turbos manual. it's going through everything you yep. said the owner's yep. manual said it needed 2.7 gallons yeah, 2.4. 2.4, and you put 2.7 in? Is that what it was? No, 2.25. No, 2. 2. Oh. Two and a quarter. Yep. But the, it actually only needs seven quarts. That's... So there is no owner's manual. It's on the car. So you, like, hit a little button, and it's like... And this car never got the update. That so. sounds like a McLaren fault like how would a tech know that unless so then yeah so then then the thought is that you put too much oil in it then you took oil out of it then you got it to run but now the damage was done because there was too much oil in it yeah so basically some one camp believes that it because it's happened to other people that basically they the same thing has happened and the card kills itself within 50 miles so i could jump on this bandwagon I could jump on this bandwagon because I didn't drive the car to Wisconsin. My girlfriend drove it behind the RV doing 2,500 RPM the whole way. And if I look at the data, every lap at Road America, it was going slower and slower top speed wise, which is just a sheer indicator of horsepower, right? I mean, that's an indicator of, yeah, that's an indicator of the bearings are going. Yeah. Did it, did it, did it We're knock? familiar with that, Mike. Yeah, did, did <laughs> it knock? No. Does, so when you tune a McLaren, what do you tune with? What do you mean? 
Like, uh, like what, what, what do you what tune South with a stock ECU? ECU yeah. Like, is it, is it something you crack the, crack the stock ECU and you tune with that? Or is there yeah, something yeah. else? Like, is there a piggyback or what are you doing? No. Yes, I don't. Yeah. So you ship. Yeah. So you ship the ECU out. They okay. jailbreak the ECU. Then they put their tune on it. And then it has a live map switching ability. So you can switch sure. between like max cooling or whatever you have programmed in there. Yeah. So. But yeah, after it happened, I learned a lot about these things. So the clearance from top dead center in the valve is less than one millimeter from Ricaro. That's who so 40, builds the motor. So 40 thou. Yep. Other English friends. So it's 40 and, thou for, for stock P2V clearance on exhaust. I don't know which one. Probably. I mean, exhaust is tighter generally because. Yeah. yeah. So. So basically what these guys, so there was a couple options after I was digging into it about built motors is mm-hmm. they were like, if you had raw oil flying out when it was running, there was clearly enough oil sitting in the combustion chamber to be causing damage. And what they believe is that it was just like bent one of the rods a little bit. And then because it's oil, it could actually fire versus water. Mm-hmm. And then it just slowly worked its way out. I don't know. The whole thing is annoying to me, but it is what it is now. <laughs> when you blow up an engine, it's pretty fucking annoying. Right off, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm gonna Fuck. I'm gonna think through that. Like, obviously, I think through the like I, I did. I, you know, I one of my jobs was engine failure analysis, so I was trying to like figure out why, 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 why. It's on the I mean, way. 40, I mean, forty. If you're 40, bored. Yeah, forty thou is tight. I mean, it's tight anyway. But right, if that's their specification, right? You like if you if you take that into perspective and you look at like other engines, people are looking for exhaust. They're looking for like eighty thou, right? So forty sure. is already tight on exhaust valve. That's it is what it is. But of course, it's all their stuff. Like that's it's a little different when you're building something high strung. On something like that, it's not so out of the ordinary, right? Yep. And especially if their combustion chamber is designed for it, it's not super out of the ordinary. Ingesting oil is problematic for a lot of different reasons because it can potentially hurt your seal for the rings. It can potentially hurt your valves because of basically saturating the, the valve stem in the wrong place, right? You have carbon buildup, which causes pre-detonation or abnormal combustion. All those things happen. And it's really hard to get that carbonization, like the, you know, the, the carbon deposits off the system after you've fundamentally burned upon the system. Is that direct injected? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Hayden. Um, intercooler question. So if oil goes through the whole system, like, did the intercooler yeah. self-clean? I, that's not a, I mean, I've that's seen, fucking I've thing, seen people, I've seen people just open pipes to intercoolers. And they've got fucking oil in them. Like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It's, I mean, every yeah. Ford Raptor, if you open the intercooler, has oil in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people I mean, that much oil. You, I wonder. Actually, that's a good point. Like, people it's ship in their RGAs PCB, and yeah, they're well, they're, they're a, good for like, us. So, to scan. if it went through the PCV and it's going back through the intake, if it gets blown into, is it? I'm trying to map this out. If it got blown into the intercoolers, right? There's one left and right, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is. And so if that's blowing through the intercooler, I wonder how much is sitting like on the bottom of the intercoolers or coating the intercoolers, then sure. 
Oh my god! Uh, killing you, projection and all. Right, exactly. Killing, ha- killing efficiency. You... So what they're saying? Have you drained your intercoolers since you blew it up? <laughs> no, I'm curious. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's nothing like, in some, it. Yeah, some people yes. will drill like a small hole okay, in the bottom, yeah. right? Like they'll drill like an eighth or a quarter. Like some people no. even drill a quarter inch. But hole. the McLarens are a water to air system. Yep. So oh. it's got it's just uh, got one passage for the mm-hmm. air, and then the water goes through the through yeah, the middle yeah. portion okay, of the cooler. So yeah. You yeah. wouldn't. So I mean, if you were drilling holes and shit, you're drilling cool. So, rip. yeah, that's not 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 a mess. But on <laughs> yeah, stupid. It's not unlike on on some intercoolers. It's not uncommon to have like an eighth inch hole for a weep hole on the bottom for condensation. Mm-hmm. You just yeah, just it just drips. I mean, it's a a leak, but it's like whatever. It's not big enough for it to generally cause problems. That's crazy. That's annoying. I'm trying to think about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to see it, you can see the cogs turning in Mike's brain. Yeah, if you want to see the motors, you know he's thinking. He ain't saying yeah, shit. Motors, he's just sitting there looking. The motors where? Where was the where? The motors where? on its way right now. Back to me. The the the, the, oh, the broken one. Yeah. So it's got a hole in the bottom and a hole in the V. Take some pictures. I'd be curious. I just want to see the bearings mostly. But so are you? Did you replace the motor? Is the car back together? Oh, yeah. With the yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you? So how'd you do that? Did you have to buy a new motor completely, or what? But I bought a brand new motor from McLaren, had it shipped over. So everyone's going to ask what that Oof. costs. So if you're willing, yeah, I mean I don't care. Everybody knows. So the motor itself, no labor, was sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. But that came with new turbos. Oh. It's a it's fully dressed. dressed. <laughs> you drop it in. So it's a, it's a, it's a motor with a dress. That's nice. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> why did you say that? Why did you say that? You said, you said, oh, like it's such a fucking sweet ass deal. Oh, really? <laughs> you no, know, I mean it's not. That's not. Well, damn. That's not, <laughs> Sixty-seven for the turbo. Like so that that means that there's manifolds on it. That means there's turbo. Everything. Like, what else is yep. on there? Everything. Alternator because everything's geared. You stole it from them. So alternator, <laughs> AC compressor, everything. Yeah, that's, but I mean, he, that's not bad. Here's my mindset on that. Because, you know, people will be doing built engines for Evos and stuff. And, and I mean, that's what we're familiar with. And all day long, we'll drop 10 grand on a build, 15. More than that. But right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if we're thinking turbo too, so maybe yeah, exactly. 20 grand. Yeah, turbo intake, all that stuff. Yeah. And they're built by, a lot of them are built by idiots. And so mm-hmm. if you're getting something built by, you know, a Formula One team, you know, that, they're half-assed people, <laughs> not yeah, exactly. not the actual team, but the, you know, right? It's still the, in, the, the interns got it. Yeah, the, the interns. I mean, I'd still take it for the and it's a and a, a fully dressed motor ready to go. Like you don't have to swap over a bunch of your garbage, right? You're not swapping nope. it. Like he could have saved I two mean, grand on that starter if he just blew up the engine earlier. I could. <laughs> have had to pay that. <laughs> I could. I could still imagine that. It's true. Uh, like a a Porsche engine. That goes in one of the one of the GT3 RSs is probably. I want, yeah, I, I feel like I think that's like thirty five. No, the, the, yeah, but yeah. is it bargain no turbos? Really. Yeah, there's no turbos. Yeah, see, there's yeah. no turbos. There's no manifolds. Yeah, see, it's not even fucking thing. cool. Yeah, yeah, Dog yeah. yeah. That's why you get rid of it. Okay, for turbos and manifolds. Yeah, but if a starter is if a starter is two grand, how much are the turbos? The turbos are ten grand. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's not wrong there. I think see? I think turbos are five grand each. See? Boom. That's, Spot that's pretty cheap. Spot fucking on. Spot pretty cheap. Uh, that's, that's pretty cheap. 
Motherfucker. You just have to tell us that those are like, those are journal bearing turbos, and that'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I have no idea what they are. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Oh my God. I'll, I'll take so, a look just for you guys. He's there got you go. I appreciate really it. But now you have some extra stuff. So that's a yeah, that I don't need. You know, some backups. Yeah. Course, you, got, but, you got a parts mm-hmm. engine. So, yeah. Well, you can <laughs> yeah. make that cool table that everybody wants. That's you know, what I'm going to do. Know. There you go. My 60, yeah. In my office. There you go. What's so, the, so 67 grand got that yep. landed and then so 67 grand yeah. no so i had i in the mclaren world there's not a ton of options so it was sure. 130 grand for the dealership to do it we need to quantify what it actually is so Without for the, the so dealership that's, that's, to do the motor that's, that's completely so that's the motor plus complete. the install oh, yep. okay cool scared me so there's mobile mechanics in the mclaren world so basically they'll come to you do an oil change or whatever so an oil change for the mobile mechanic to come to you is eighteen hundred dollars. Fuck! Holy fuck! For their oil change careers. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna research. All right, myself. I'm a mobile mechanic. Holy shit! Exactly. I'm a mobile mechanic. The dealership to do it's like three grand. This is deal. Okay. It's a deal. Yeah, this is a deal. No, no problem. And you don't have awesome to leave your house. Traveling oil yep. tax. Yeah. What exactly? What oil is it? Uh, uh, unicorn zero piece. zero forty mobile one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Out of the fucking. Uh, excuse me while I go to Walmart for twenty two dollars. Yeah, exactly. I need. The most imp- the I, most expensive parts to filter the filter is like one hundred and forty bucks. Yeah, of course. Of course. But, is it just one so, filter? Just curious. Just one. Just, yeah. Okay. All right. So it's then, a, it, if you ever really dig into it, if you really want to nerd out about stuff, dig into the McLaren cooling loop. So it doesn't have an oil cooler per se. It has a oil to water heat exchanger in the V. Right. Yep. yep. And the cooling all goes, so it goes down the driver's side all the way to the front and then back to the back and then through the oil. So if the, if your coolant never gets below 212, your oil temps never below 212. It's just like this vicious cycle of overheating sure. essentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if the heat exchangers can't reject then. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not exactly, I wouldn't call that uncommon. It's, it's pretty, it was a lot, it was a lot more, com- so oil coolers started to become a thing more so in the eighties. And then before that they had the oil to water kind of everything had like sandwich plate, right? Everything was yep. sandwich plate based. And then after that, they started putting oil coolers on it. And then always are like, screw oil coolers. Now we're going back to sandwich plate stuff. Yep. Or, you know, GM has come system. a stupidly long way on their whole, um, Stack coolers. They're, yeah. they're ridiculously efficient. Yeah. I mean, that's sweet. So then after we did our, after we're not doing our $1,800 oil change, what mobile mechanic is rolling up and installing this engine? Yeah. So I just had a, I shipped the car down to Atlanta. I brought it down there on my RV and dropped it off at the place that did the mobile stuff before. And so basically it took them, I think, just over three weeks to do it. So from the day it was ordered, to the day I picked it up, it took over just over three weeks. So it's not bad. It's not no, bad. it's actually not that difficult. Like looking at it now, I'm like, okay, I've replaced many engines in my life. Like, sure, this thing shows up and it's done. You connect the trans to it, mm-hmm. shove it back up, and hook all your lines back up. Right, a lot of lines, but yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, so we have but um, still our team mechanic Grant. Um, he's worked on everything from 
shitty Toyota Corollas all the way to like F40s, and Shoot, he has no. I mean, he did. We, I was underneath a Maserati once in his shop, and I was like looking and just like in awe and stuff. And he's like, "Dude, it's just like every other car. It's oh, not yeah. special in any way, shape, or form." And so it, it really, unfortunately, kind of is like almost meeting your idol. And now I don't care when I see something <laughs> supposedly cool drive by. Yeah. But I had a question for you, though. Of so course. you I have to spend a lot of money getting this put back together. Is there an insurance policy to try and keep this from happening again? And not necessarily an insurance policy, but actually, is there an insurance policy? And Or are you going to, like, monitor oil pressures, temperatures, anything like that? Or is that built into the McLaren to try and give a heads up to try and save the next engine? No. So the second part I'll answer first. So McLaren doesn't, if you're in track mode, the McLaren tells you nothing. So the only time it will alert you to anything going wrong is if your temperatures go high and then the little square light will light up red. That's it. Yeah, just a warning It'll, light. It's just yep. light. Yep. If you're in sport mode, you'll still get temps and everything, but in track mode, it gets rid of all that. It doesn't think that it's needed for whatever reason. It, yeah, just focus. focus. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yep. Yeah. That's different. I mean, on the 720, if you go into track mode, you can retract the whole dash. So it's only an RPM gauge and a little speedo gauge. And so you have like a little strip, almost like, a, um, I don't know, yeah, like a RC 51 motorcycle. Yeah. 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 Where it's just like nothing there. And then as far as insurance, so technically this vehicle could have an extended warranty on it. But after this happened and after Andy Hollis's adventure with his broken alternator bolt needing a new motor debacle, we both got phone calls within 12 hours of each other from the McLaren North America guy saying that extended warranties will no longer cover track use. So he called you yeah. like, hey, you guys can go fuck yourself. Essentially. Got it. I, it's a little... It, does so McLaren have? Yeah, does McLaren? It seems like they'd have an interest in people like you. Mm -hmm. To that they do are showcasing. Yeah, so do they support you in any way, other than yeah. saying, "Hey, we're not covering your shit." <laughs> well, there, it's so technically, I guess it's not them that's saying that. Technically, it's a third-party insurance company. Okay. So it's like sure, a yeah, third-party warranty it's company. Yeah, yep. It's never them. So, it's somebody else, whoever it is, but. The factory warranty, when the 600 let go, they were amazing, like absolutely amazing. But because this car has passed that, it's now an extended warranty. The factory warranty isn't available. So if I went and bought, if I sold this car and bought a 765 or a 750S and it still had a factory warranty and it happened, it would be covered. But because it's an extended warranty company, it's not. I mean, is there any interest? Have you ever had any interest from... McLaren to make it, you know, between you and Andy, between people who actually race it, obviously there's not too many people who actually race them, right? And so between you two, is there any value? Have you ever heard any value from them to say, hey, will pseudo cover some things that happen? No, not really. Like I've had a couple messages back and forth from like the North American marketing guy saying, it's amazing what you're doing with our car, you know, blah, blah, blah. But really nothing more than that. Just ends right there, yeah. Yeah, did you tell him it's amazing what I'm doing with my own car? Thank you yeah. very much. Unless you want yeah. to it's, not, it's not your car anymore until yeah. you know you yeah, want to be a part of the team. Covering shit. Yeah. yeah. 
leave me alone. So, but no, there's, I mean, there's really, there's really nothing. And then there's a bunch of us. I think the big issue is, is a lot of people who do this. So I have a lot of friends that have McLarens that do similar things, just not at the same level. Right. So they're behind the scenes. Their car isn't the results page. Right. Yeah. yeah, You go on gridlife.com. It's not the first car you see on the results page right now, you know? So it's kind of hard to hide that. Gotcha. So, sure, sure. And I, I want to be, I don't believe that McLaren is responsible at all for this, what happened. I mean, it was tuned. I knew the risk. It is what it is. So, yep. I mean, I, I mean, it just, I, I just want to know. I, I don't know. I think I'd yeah, still yeah. be upset about getting told the number that I put me. the amount of oil in. I was directed to put X amount of oil in it. I put X amount yeah, of oil in wrong. it. And then my yeah. car suicided. I'd be upset about that. That's it is. That would be a factory problem. That's a sixty-seven thousand dollar fuck you. Like, well, I mean, it's eighty-five once you calculate labor. Yeah. Oh well, it, yeah. Don't fucking what? shortchange him, Hayden. <laughs> fucking idiot. Me. I'm sorry. Unfor- that is a deal. <laughs> <laughs> you just said it was one hundred and thirty before that. It's right. a deal. He's still in five figures this way, stupid. Yeah, he didn't even get that. He didn't even get that last uh, digit. Screw you. <laughs> Yeah. So, so let me ask this: What's your mindset when you start modifying a McLaren? Is there like a limit to what you're interested in doing to it? I mean, I don't really try to think about what I have. So I've already ordered stuff for the winter for a car that I'm not even going to time attack next year, except for a few choice events. You're saying that, so, now, but that's that's a dangerous slope right there. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, know, it's, it's basically a cliff. I mean, it's not yeah. really a slope. It's just a cliff. Basically, when it starts running, you just start showing up to shit. I get yeah, it. It's yeah, I mean, I do have a stacker trailer, so I can bring the GLTC car and the McLaren to every yeah. event. Oh, can um, we talk about that blowing up? Don't forget, we got to talk about that blowing up car too. Well, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the trailer too, because I was like, yeah, what's the true. shit? Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So my whole goal is I really wanted a seven sixty five, but seven sixty fives are a half million dollars, and I mean. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not like rich. I just literally a, made of dollars. Rich I, money. <laughs> I I mean, I have a side business that I created that basically I write off the car and it is what it is. So, but yeah, so I ordered a 765 front bumper and front splitter, which is slightly different, but full carbon. So full autoclave, dry carbon pre-preg, blah, 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 whatever you want, fancy terms you want to use on it. As Um, many as you can. Yep, all of the fancy terms. And then more than likely by the end of January, I'm going to order all the remaining stuff for the back of it. So it'll have the quad exhaust out the back and all that other silly nonsense that more than likely probably adds zero to what the car can actually do. But because I do... Yeah, it's cool and you want it. The... uh, over the last between, so I only went to Heartland this year to see what I did with all the changes on the car. Cause that's the only place I took it to. So I think I ran a one thirty nine zero last year, spent a, all this money on all this stupid seven sixty five arrow and ran a one thirty eight three. So like it's seven not tenths, not enough. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of only speak gingerman. So. I don't know what that means. I mean, whatever. Heartland, I, I, I have some background, but yeah, it's not enough. I get it. I get no. It. 
But so I mean, you like the way it looks more. Well, yeah, I mean, it looks cool. What, what are we? But it also didn't really matter. I think there's, you know, there's a point of I just got the car back. I literally flew down to Atlanta, drove it all the way back to Michigan. The same night, loaded it on the trailer and drove to Heartland. Gotcha. So that was the break in miles was driving it. Nobody was there. Mm. My closest competitor was five seconds behind me. I was shifting at 6,000 RPM. I'm like, okay. like, And at the time, it what? didn't matter. And then I left. I'm like, oh, you pussy. What's the red line for the people that don't own a 720? They don't know. 84 or 8,500? Yeah, 85, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you are a pussy. Got it. Understood. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a lot of power. <laughs> that's a lot of power right there on its own. So. Yeah, true. But it ain't all of it, so. But I did. I mean, going up, if you've never been there, it probably doesn't make sense, but going up into Alpha, so the Grid Life staff guys were watching everybody and everyone's hitting the brakes before the top of the hill, and I'm still flat over the top doing 163 miles an hour. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's have fun. I like your attitude. <laughs> is it, is it com- you said you drove it from Atlanta is it comfortable yeah I mean I put on supercar events that I do 3,000 miles in six days in so it has uh, P1 carbon fiber fixed back seats in it okay. it's it kind of annoying after maybe three hours you have to get out yeah but, but the but the seat kind of fits you nicely at least yeah like yeah, to me good. the angle really matters like it really matters if it's tilt back, it's fine, but it like really matters the angle. Otherwise, I just this is. Have you ever been in a GT3 RS? Once, but I don't. Yeah. Fit if, oh. <laughs> 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 say shit. Leave me alone. When go say shit. God's gonna bring it up and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, is he gonna say it about himself, or are we gonna have wow. to do this? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just say a truck follows me around. That's what just say it that way. <laughs> <It's> dump truck. <laughs> so it, it's a it's a similar seat angle as the three RS seat. Okay. It would be yeah, similar I mean, to like if you took like a fixed back seat on a Sparco rail and you did right. one at the top and one the next hole down, right? Right. It's so, not. It's yeah. It's like a, it's like a, like a seven and a half degree layback. Yeah. I mean, like so, like for me, I I know that I really like like a twenty degree layback. Like, I really like Ooh, that. Way back there. Yeah, way back there. Way back. Yeah, back. Like, yeah. like gangster <laughs> back there. I, yeah. I love that. Where my where the bottom of my legs are supported, I can sit in that for days. I love By that the steering wheel. wheel? The bottom of your legs are supported by the steering wheel? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you don't even have to move your knees. You're just automatically touching yeah. the steering wheel. It's great. But, no, I, I, I dig that. That's. I mean, you know, I just wanted to know in terms of comfort because it's got the, you know, it's got the special suspension in it. It's got the hydraulics and all that. I just didn't know how comfortable it was, you know, for long distances. So yeah, you can. I mean, you can put it in comfort mode, and it like you can really nerd out with the McLaren hydraulic suspension setup. It's yeah. it's pretty wild. So what it gets decently of- comfortable. What kind of fuel economy do you get in a vehicle like that oh. on the highway? Oh God, I gotta wonder. Yeah, can, sure. doing what? Let's quantify this. Doing what? Yeah, just no, that's no, no. true. Being a 80. reasonable law-abiding human being. Eighty over. <laughs> um, probably like, like I don't even fucking know. <laughs> I don't go that slow. <laughs> better than the I don't. Nineteen's better than my truck. Yes, nineteen. So, that horrible. It's pretty good. Pretty good. We yeah. we went from uh, 
Barstow, California to Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Rally I was putting on. My buddy's got a 600 LT and we always end up finding ourselves. It's my rally. And like, so we always end up finding ourselves at the front of all these cars and we just slowly keep going and going. And then we're side by side going down the road doing 198 miles an hour. Sounds about right. And I looked down in Mexico. Yep. I looked down and the car says it's going to be out of gas in 20 miles. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a full tank. And and there's 70 miles before your next gas stop. (laughs) Yep. The next stop was 44 miles away. There you go. You make it just fine. Don't worry about it. So we slowed down to 135. Uh, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Naturally, as one would do. Reasonable. Reasonable (laughs) speeds. Yeah, just get, uh, whatever is proper and reasonable, right? That's that's yep. the Montana Montana theory. Yep. Proper and reasonable. So, well, to to switch, whereas, uh, so we don't yeah, get yeah. you in jail. He was on in Mexico, though. Catch a charge. <laughs> so tell us more about his trailer and uh, other BMW that you. Yeah, so I have a open stacker, so hydraulic ramp. And then uh, you can put one car up top and then pull the other one underneath. And uh, so we were on a raid of Road America. I have a Super C RV. We were pulling it behind, maiden voyage on it. And I hit an expansion joint on a uh, bridge overpass. And the trailer went down and the RV went up. And then it sheared like a tuna can, the whole tongue right off. Yeah, so it was that's... like freaking insane it was facing straight up and then it went in the ditch at 75 miles an hour with both cars so the bmw and the mclaren on it on our way to road america and i looked in the rearview mirror and i was like oh the trailer's just connected and i watched (laughs) watched (laughs) what we're learning from this is just jason's very calm cool collective things are wrong things are very wrong Hey guys, Pretty every much. trailer, trailers over there. <laughs> every response is it's it's just money. It just fucked. It's over there. Yeah. Trailer, so, trailer going, boys. <laughs> yeah, so it went down into the ditch, and then somehow that emergency brake thing came on, uh, and then somehow it pulled itself back out onto the road. So it like yeah. literally turned, rode the guardrail down, came to a stop. I called my buddy. He brought his generator, welder, a bunch of eighth inch flat stock. He ground it all down, hammered it back into place, burned it all in on the side of the road, and then just drove the car separate. And I dropped the trailer off at my buddy's, who is part of the Polish trash mafia in Chicago. (laughs) And so he owns a bunch of garbage truck trailer refabbing business and basically left it there. And I was like, fix this up so it never happens again. And so they took a 3.8 steel, boxed in the whole tongue all the way back to where it like doubles on itself where the stacker area is. Yeah. Yeah. And then it'll never happen. And that was again. a, that was a steel trailer, right? That was steel. Yeah, steel. Was yep. Steel. And it broke off right at the, right where it connects to the rest of the trailer, right? At like the, yeah. The so they, ball. yeah, they, I don't even know what you call that thing. The receiver part where it's almost yeah. like a C channel, like it overlaps. Right. And you can see it was clearly rusted, but you can't tell it's behind the paint or whatever. Right. But you could tell right where it sheared off, where the near the new break is, and then where the old rusty part was. So the whole one side was all rusted. 
It was wild. Absolutely wild. That's great. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I saw the, I saw the pictures originally where you're literally, there's a track of this thing going <laughs> off the road, turning back onto the road, somehow not going into traffic and then smashing into the guardrail and just riding it. I was like, what? what? The... But, uh, <laughs> like, like, excuse me? What is happening? <laughs> I beg that your pardon? A, that is the craziest thing. And on top of that, on top of that, to be clear, right? So you load the McLaren on that thing, right? And you load it on the yep. bottom section, and the McLaren yep. is too wide. It doesn't fit. Correct. <laughs> so, like, it's it's like the like if you ever seen it, it, it's too wide for the trailer. So it's like sitting off like to left or right, and if it moves like a millimeter either way, it's going to crack the carbon on the side of the car. And and did it touch? I can't remember. Nope. Did it actually touch? No, nope. it, it stayed strapped. So, so whatever I, straps I remember... you have, there you go. Those we need. Those. So I remember when I bought it, and I was like, I. I used to always do like the through the wheel and then cross strap yeah. thing. And yeah. this is like set up and it has like the perforated, like almost like e-track. And I'm like, oh, I got to get the over the wheel. And the whole time I'm like thinking, no, this is not like, this is not ideal. There's no way this works. This can't be better. And when you load it, you can't put the parking brake on. So there's nothing, nothing car wise oh. stopping it because I have to get out of the car and then push it forward or winch it forward oh, because you can't get out and then roll right, up the window. Yeah. It's a big, it's a process. I hate it. So, so it's got nothing. It just has these four wheel straps. It goes into the ditch, comes back out, hits the guardrail. The only thing wrong with anything is the fender has like a little crease in it. That's it. Like this is wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah. I like the strapping over the tires. I like that. I like that method, mm -hmm. honestly. Same. It's yeah. a method I prefer. Like you can, the only thing that I kind of get nervous about is if you like really crank on the straps, you put a lot of pressure on the belts and yeah. like, I'm afraid like you're going to like damage a tire or something like that. That's something that I've been concerned about, but past that, it's like, I kind of like that. And obviously it worked pretty well when your trailer decided to do whatever the hell it wanted to do. Yeah. So. And we've had, I mean, some pretty wild setups on there. So we've done the McLaren up top or no, a Viper ACR up top and the 720 on the bottom. Obviously, my BMW up top. We've had a Mini Cooper on there with the McLaren. How much can the top set setup. hold? 4,000 pounds. Oh, that's pretty good. So, Yeah, that's yep. not a bad setup then. No, it, it works good. Sweet. I mean, can 8,000 pound cargo capacity. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, pretty I mean, that works pretty well. So... Yep. With all these cars and everything you've done, like I really, you know, we appreciate the background. People are going to ask, I kind of know some of what you do because I saw you comment on a few things, but you said you have a business yep, um, that you run and I kind of know a little bit about it, but if you want to go into that, that'd be sweet because it's something interesting for sure. Sure. So in the, I don't know, most people probably don't know. I don't say it a lot. So in the Air Force, I did electronic warfare on the B-2 stealth bomber. So radar jamming and threat detection for the so, U.S. So government. Nothing cool. nothing cool. Nothing cool. Super nerdy radio <laughs> frequency. <laughs> Quite possibly so, the coolest shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I was stationed in Missouri outside of Kansas City for three years. Yeah. Did electronic that's they, warfare. That's where they be. Yep. Did electronic warfare for the 393rd bomb squadron. 509th bomb wing. Pretty cool stuff. And then... Yeah. I got out and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I ended up working at Best Buy for a little bit as a car audio installer. I kind of did that as a hobby for a while. 
and then <laughs> Devin's hurt. Devin's hurt. What? Devin's like, oh, fucking what change. What? Oh yeah, it was cold as shit in the middle. So, yeah, I went to Best Buy and fucking I went to with Best some Buy subs and a Corolla. Got me that <laughs> squad. People really yep. wanted some garbage ass head units installed in their shit. Yep, yep. that was and me. I, I was that guy. That was me. I think I made more money working at Best Buy than I did in the military, which is the shit. Sounds about right. Yeah, um, that, that's that's terrible. But different different so then, conversation. Still yep. terrible. So then I was like, eh, this isn't working out. I'm moving to Detroit. I'm going to go back to school, and. I, did he dis off? I think he disappeared. Man, yeah, did like he just fuck off? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, he didn't uh, care. He didn't care about Best Buy. Um, it's funny. I had a buddy who yes. um, sprayed the radar absorber. Not somebody I've met though. Of course. Onto yeah, yeah. Not, not a dude I've met. Yeah, I can't He's remember bad. if they're B2s or something well, similar. Maybe yeah. F117s. Yeah, yeah. But then after he left the military, he also got into car audio. That you get. <laughs> uh, I had a. It's one of Grant's friends. Right. Yeah. 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 You got to be. We were talking covered. when you disconnected, but he went from spraying radar absorbent paint on airplanes for the military. Hmm? No, I don't. Ben Milne. It's his one of his employees. I don't know if you met Ben ever. So he would get he would get nosebleeds in his suit because he had to be all covered up, oh. um, and not Holy. breathing that shit. It was very interesting. Yeah, one of my one of my best is weird. So I I grew up in this super tiny town in the UP. There's like uh, three thousand people in it, and my best friend is low observables on the F twenty two Raptor, and I worked on the B two stealth bomber. So like one of eighty people that I went to high school with, then we both have top secret clearance working on stealth programs. Like it's wild. That's wild. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Sweet. So yeah, so then I left Best Buy and ended up as this lead technician for a breathalyzer company for a couple of years. So what you, does that mean? So lead you, technician for yeah. So if you got a DUI, then you had to put one of those. Blowing, oh, you did the installer. Well, that you and I would those? that and I like actually repaired them and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, national security is important. Breathalyzers are important. Yep. So you know, same same. So then. A headhunter hit me up one time and said, hey, we have this job for a well-known automotive supplier. They're looking for uh, EMC technicians. Do you know anything about that? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Explain to me what it is. And they're like, so you're testing automotive parts with radar, RF testing, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I did that basically in the military. So this well-known company is Denso. Um, oh, yeah. So I, yeah. I started my EMC career. With Denso, worked there for four years, went to Continental Automotive Systems, who is like one of the largest tier one suppliers in the world, then left there and then worked for a Japanese company, Nippon Seiki, and built them an EMC lab from scratch. And then in 2019, I built the lab that I'm at now. So it's 20,000 square foot facility, has 11 semi-anechoic EMC test chambers. I have 16 technician engineers that work for me and uh, we run outside of elite which is in chicago i have the largest emc facility like in basically north america then we test anything and everything that is in a vehicle that has a semiconductor in it so this week we're testing stuff for the cybertruck and all these other cars that are 2025 model year stuff and Everything we do is pre-production. I have my name on a bunch of 
uh, engineering updates and you know PPAP nonsense and you could search my name oh, and find all these keep say, keep saying those awesome words yeah yeah say the Say those, say those words. <laughs> say, say, P, say PPAP real slow again, <laughs> So, but yeah, you can, yeah, like, people, you search my name. Yeah, people I, don't know what PPAPs are, but yeah. yeah. I have, uh, my name's all over all these FCC regulatory reports because we do consumer products as well. So, oh, yeah. So, you, so you're doing all of that, that testing to ensure that the equipment meets the requirements for the FCC in terms of uh, radiation emissions from RF or yeah. what? Like so that everything? Yep. So on the automotive side, we make sure that let's say your radio, when you put your cell phone next to it, your radio still functions. Right. Um, yep. And that everything in the car plays nicely together. From the FCC side, we're making sure that you as a consumer aren't being radiated by, you know, the RF that that Bluetooth printer is giving off. Yeah. Yeah, there, I, yeah. I don't. I I know a little bit about it. I've done. I've dealt with that a tiny bit, but not much. Obviously, it's, you're. It's not as you're uh, the expert. Yeah, it's not as nerdy or as cool as uh, working on the B two. That's for sure. Sure, but but I'm saying like from a from a technical standpoint, people don't realize that there's requirements, right? There's FCC requirements that you can only every device you touch, everything that literally is powered in any way, can only transmit or radiate a certain amount of emissions in each category in each wavelength. Correct. Yep. So you're doing all the testing for that, make sure that they meet those requirements, and then also testing potentially, you know, fault-induced errors by testing if there's, you know, something that happens with multiple units or multiple different devices when they come close proximity to each other. Correct. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty freaking sweet in my opinion. I like, I, obviously, I'm broken because I like, literally anything that's kind of like weird no, that's, that's but jokes. that's super cool so you built you built that business to do that testing for automotive primarily is that your yep. primary customer then automotive yeah Great. so the company that bankrolled this whole thing is bureau veritas so we're one of the largest third-party test labs in the world so we have gotcha. over 120 locations worldwide eighty-eight thousand employees and all we do is test that's all we do that's awesome Oil and so gas. You set, up the, boats, lab. You set up the lab for them. Like you work under them and they set up yep. labs at different locations and you're kind of in charge of this one. Yeah. So I am the subject matter expert for automotive EMC worldwide. So anything, gotcha. anything that goes on automotive EMC related, it goes through me. I built this lab from a dirt floor, everything like to how the bathrooms look was me. So you put, you only put urinals and made everybody else hold them. Yeah, He's yeah, a bidet yeah. using motherfucker. That's what. <laughs> did you, yeah, did you put bidets in there? Come on. No. Come on. I try to get the. I try to get them to buy the fancy Toto Japanese bidet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I was over yeah. there, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't go for it. But I did. Yeah, you should have used all that fancy stuff in no. you know when in Nippon Land, right? Yep. But I did get somehow. I got four eighty-five inch like touchscreen monitors approved for my conference room hell yeah right yeah. So i'm like this is what we need to do i'm like oh that's right it's touch screen yeah don't touch it don't touch it so i would have got i would definitely would have got it needed toilet seats i'm just saying yeah that would be sweet i'm wondering yeah, I say something. oh i'm just wondering like how many devices on amazon certainly can't meet the yeah, yeah 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 and and like the first one that came to mind that was automotive 
was um I mean, the say, yep, there it is. <laughs> 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 plug it into your car to pr protect from an EMP attack. Yeah, that's yeah. not a thing. <laughs> if you want to... <laughs> what are you talking? It says it on Amazon. It's a thing. My little if, if you want to protect green light. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you want to really nerd out, you want to turn this into hypercritical nerd radio. We can do this. So, yeah. If if you really want to protect yourself from an EMP blast, you need to cover yourself in as much carbon fiber as possible. This is no joke. Interesting. Oh my story. god, this is making sense. This is making sense now. So he keeps buying more good carbon fiber for his car <laughs> oh. because he's trying to protect himself from EMP. So if you know, I don't know. All makes sense. If you know what EMP hardness is, so in the old days yeah. you would have an aircraft. That aircraft would have to be hardened against EMP. So if yep. like a refueling aircraft was flying, somebody set off a nuclear blast, EMP is generated, the, the aircraft has to sustain and still fly. Well, right. when the Dreamliner, the Air Force started using the Dreamliner, they started like EMP hardness testing and they're like, we don't have to do anything. That's it, sweet. So That's basically sweet. at the frequency that EMP happens, it is no different than DC. So the epoxy in carbon fiber becomes a direct short at that right. frequency and, then it, and, it, and it blocks it all out yep. and it just makes one you oh. basically make a bubble yep the whole aircraft becomes a bubble that's fucked that's up. cool it's like a weird ass faraday cage yep what the fuck <laughs> that's kind of awesome so do, do they they use the 787 like fuselage without windows i assume yeah Got it. yep so the same thing so a lot of the supercar rallies i put on everybody wants to know why i don't bring like one of those cheap chinese baofeng radios with me it's because there's so much carbon, they, it doesn't even get out. Like, so my girlfriend it's and I will. Powerful enough. Yeah. Well, I have an 18 watt one. My girlfriend and I will talk from the paddock. She cannot hear me at turn 10. Wow. With the 18 hmm. watt radio. That's crazy. So, so do cell like how good are like obviously cell phones are relatively powerful in that regard. How does it? It's a different frequency that? range. So. Okay, it's outside of the range. Then. Yep. Got it. Okay, makes sense. So there's a. It basically, the carbon fiber chassis or carbon fiber in general ends up with like a bunch of notch filters. If That's the easiest way to look at it. So it's really effective this frequency and then True. doesn't care this next one. So Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to get slightly more nerdy for a moment. Does the twill of the fabric matter? I don't think so. I think it's the epoxy. Okay. So it's, I think it's, the, inter epoxy. it's, not I think it's the interaction between... Because it does the same thing doesn't happen with fiberglass. So I think it's the interaction between the epoxy and the twill. But I don't think the twill yeah, itself matters. Gotcha. So, just the fact that just the fact that it's carbon correct. and it's capable of emitting, uh capable of con conducting yep. is what matters because the glass can't, right? Fiberglass mm, can't do shit. Correct. That makes sense. And so that it's the actual carbon material yep. with the epoxy makes some sort of awesome EMP barrier. Yep. That is That's the coolest nice. shit ever. That's really cool. I like that. That is awesome. And that now it makes me wonder what like polyester resin would do if it changes anything or Yeah, like now I want to check different resins. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. If there That's is only cool, a, like, if right. there's only a place to test it. Yeah, all, to the lab. If only, <laughs> to the lab. If only we knew somebody who could help us. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that's super cool. So they so from an EMP standpoint, when are they going to when are they going to change Air Force 1 into a fully carbon like 7, you know, 747 made out of carbon instead. Oh, custom built. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no Air Force One background that I can disclose. Yeah, of course. 
No, but that's sweet. So you do all the regulations and everything for the automotive products. Obviously, you have a lot large background in that. Yep. Is there any other like freaking weird ass tidbits? Because that's yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. No, I, I mean I'm sure there's there's stuff, right? So, but I don't know. That's the biggest one is the interaction of carbon and EMP, which is really bizarre. Yeah. So like, there's some. That's a weird weird thing to find. Yeah. So I go to a lot of these symposiums all over the world, and one of the thought processes is like, if you go to like any of these data centers, they're now doing like a layer of galvanized steel embedded in the wall, a layer of galvanized steel, a layer of carbon, another layer of galvanized steel, and then another layer of carbon, and then sandwich that in between drywall, like in between floors. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Because then the galvanized and carbon either rejects or absorbs the EMP, depending on what the frequency is. So the data that's stored inside the servers is unaffected if somebody lets off an EMP device around these data centers. You're using it as a, yeah, you're using it as one as a. A short to ground, but also a rejection. Yep. Yeah. You're, right. you're satisfying like, like five mediums. Barrier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So one's trying to ping pong the signal around the other one's absorbing yep. it while it does it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. See, radio waves can be fun, people. Yep. God. Get with it. And they can get so you a I, car. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone get a carbon car. The cheapest thing is like a what it what are they? Um what's the what's the alpha? That's gotta be the cheapest one, right? No, uh, four C. Yeah, the four C carbon tube, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I do have one more thing to say as we close out this this interview. Did you like the way I mean, obviously you've driven McLaren's, multiple McLaren's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the GT3s, all that stuff, right? Great cars, all that, right? But what's really important to understand is how did they handle compared to the show and the SVT Contour? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I think that the the SVT Contour and the SH. So the SVT Contour, I liked a lot. Um, yeah, if I'm, because if you're I'm being a normal honest. good person. If I'm being honest, they're amazing. I, I liked it yeah. a lot. I think its downfall was the fact it had no power. Yeah, um, it was slow as shit. But they were great handling cars, oh, yeah. and people shit on them all the time. No, and they look cool, especially with that weird blue interior. They were, they were. That was like '90s fantastic. Well, it was more like '80 '90s fantastic. It was yeah. like the end of it. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, the SHO, the SVT Contour handled far better than the SHO, but yeah, the SHO had more power. So, like a right. trade off. Which, which generation? The second gen. So the I had I've had multiple, so I had probably nine SVT contours and probably seven SHOs. For a while, I was just flipping them. I'd find one for cheap, fix it up, sell it. I actually had one that we were doing a bunch of stuff at Gingerman with, like back in two thousand five. So it had like full subframe connectors on slicks, all this other like it was <laughs> just there... a stupid waste yeah. of money for nothing to to run a one forty two. At like ten A, like yeah, yeah, ten A, yeah. So that like yeah. So people put it in perspective, right? If you don't know, like back in the day, a one forty obviously was substantially slower than the one forties now. Yep. So it'd more, be more like if you were to run like now, if you were to run like a one fifty three, yeah, it's like a one forty back in the day, kind of. That's yep. Looking at the data back back then, because we used to do track days all the time, you know, way back when at Gingerman. Similarly, without before the before the you know ten D eight existed. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think it flows a lot better. I like Gingerman a lot better with 10B. 
I think it gives like an, another little nuance of, you know, what line are you taking through there and yada, yada, yada. Sure. It does um, add some complications. Yeah. But, but my whole point of that is that I really like, I, I've driven a couple of the SVT contours. I think they're like, in terms of handling, they're a great car. Like they, they did a lot of work on that car. I really like them. The seats were hilariously unsupportive, but other oh, yeah. than that, great. You know, you'd slide from bench to bench, basically. So I had like, they uh, were great. They were great cars. I had containment Sparkos in it in one of them. So a full containment seat that was like mounted to the floor. And I'm 6'3". <laughs> I'm 6'3", and like a lot of torso, and I could barely see over the steering wheel. It was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely yeah. loved well, it. Well, the seats were, the, the, they're 90s Ford seats, so they're literally like a foot and a half thick. Like, yeah, yeah. They, like the stock ones, so got to keep that in mind. Like this, my the same as a Probe GT seat, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fatty. The like my buddy had a uh, a show. He had a show, you know, three liter show, and that car was a lot of fun oh, as yeah. well. But it, I mean, it didn't handle great. But it was, you know, two hundred forty horsepower at the time was a lot. I mean, you got to think that the Mustang only had two hundred twenty five horsepower, and the show weighed less, right? And so then, the next generation when Yamaha made the motor and everything like that, it got even better. It, the, the the handling got worse, but the engine got better, yep. right? Yamaha made both motors, but the small V8 was fun. And it's like people shit on those cars all the time because they don't like the way they look. And I, I'm not going to disagree necessarily, but I think they were, they're like little unsung heroes. And I think they're going to be worth some money here soon. We call them uh we call them a RoboCop era. Cause like, that's the car that all the yeah. police had in RoboCop. What's that? first Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I dug those cars so much. I think like the transes were pretty nice. There wasn't a lot of aftermarket for them, unfortunately. But otherwise, they were pretty good cars in the whole scheme of things. I think I only like, I only blew up, well, I blew up two SVT contours and one SHO. But I went through far more transmissions in those things, and very like it would just, you would just destroy. It would blow the diff apart. Like there would be spider yeah, gears like yeah. laying on the ground everywhere. Yeah, yeah. The the diffs weren't great, but they shifted really well before oh, they yeah. blew up. Like, yeah, yeah. I like those cars. Like they were buttery. I'm pretty sure I blew up a trans the night that Fast and the Furious came out when everybody was doing burnouts leaving the movie theater. And it was like, <laughs> I'm like oh, I guess we're walking now. <laughs> oh, God. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So, All right. All right. So to fill in for our boy Devin here, who doesn't have a voice anymore because we took it away from him, uh, he asks, what is one bit of advice that you would – Give to someone who wants to be like you. Mm, don't don't be like me. Ah, that's did one. you look at that? You're like uh, the don't everyone in a row Everybody... who said that. <laughs> don't do it. Don't yeah, do it. Please, wants to be protected by EMP. <laughs> I want to be protected from EMP. Let me tell you. So I think like the biggest thing. I think that like it took me a while to as I gotten older. Like I'm 44 now. I feel like I'm like ancient. But I think the biggest thing is you got to find something that you as a person can get behind right and like you want to do like you guys have the evo i know you spend a bunch of time and money and stuff on that right like i think that if you can find something like that and even if you're not making a ton of money i think that's far more satisfying sometimes than you know some of these events that i do i did a i did one of the rallies that we went to colorado like i lost like 45 grand doing this thing because not enough people signed up so, I mean, sometimes it's super stressful. Mike's right? over there this like, year, that's a whole fucking Evo. 
this year's been, I mean, luckily the, the motor and everything was a business write-off. So, but right. it's, Cause it's, you used it as advertising. Yeah. Yep. So, and I mean, you can't put on a supercar event without a supercar technically. So makes right. it pretty easy. But I mean, I literally am nonstop working. Like I, I, from the moment I wake up, I'm like in my brain, I have some scheming that I have like, okay, I'm going to bring these guys here, here, and here. This is what we're going to do while I'm driving to work. I get to work. I do all my normal work all the way home. I'm like trying to figure out, okay, there's that rally plan. What are we going to do next? How am I going to interloop this with grid life? Like, how am I going to do all these things that I'm trying to accomplish before, you know, lack of a better term, I die or can't do it anymore. So sure. I just, my whole thing is I try to do whatever I can. I have probably one of the strongest competition levels of any person I've ever met. So I am Seems like, to be a common theme. So I am a legit full on downhill ski racer, like one of the best in the country. So in the Midwest, I haven't been beat in the speed event in seven years. So that is my winter thing. So I will do this to the point to where it's like exhausting and I do not want to do it anymore. And then I'll go race cars and then come back and then repeat this yeah, process. You're taking breaks from other things by yep. doing other things that are competitive. Yep. And just, and so, just, and you work somehow in between these times. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the benefit of, you know, I don't know, doing this for this long. I'm in charge of all of these people and they only really need me if there's an issue. So gotcha. I could technically work okay. from home if there was no problems, but there's always problems. Right. Of course there is. Well, the only other That's question awesome. he had was what keeps you doing this? But I think it, I think you made it pretty clear there that, that you're very just competitive natured. Screw it. Yeah. Yeah. I want my friends to win too. Right. I like, I am, it's weird. I was, Dalton was, showed up for one laugh at, at Heartland. And I'm like, if you would have came more, you could have won. You could have finished third on the stupid standings for track mod this year. So I want my friends to win too. And, you know, I'll do whatever I can within my reasoning or in my ability, you know, to help them win. Yeah. But I also, I don't want to do, I know, I don't know, maybe some people are going to get mad. The people who are perpetual you know, street mod champions or whatever. I'm like, all right, well, I proved it. I've done it. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. Like We're not calling anyone out except Dewey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't you didn't say it, I said it. <laughs> so and I, I I didn't say I shared the opinion. I'm just making it clear who we're talking about. Don't worry about it. All right, moving on. But yeah, so that's <laughs> that's why I'm building the BMW M3 that blew up at mid Ohio and then caught on fire at 130 miles an hour with me in it, um, into a GLTC car if it ever starts. So I figured that's, I figured awesome. that's a that big thumbs up. Devin gives, gives the whole party a big thumbs up. That's, that's awesome. a, I think that's a good place to go. I like the grid life family. I think it's fun. Yeah. Hopefully I get to see you guys out there. I'll still bring the, 720 it'll probably be at midwest fest i'll probably go back to carolina motorsports park and stuff with it um the new festival and you know stuff like that yeah awesome so before we dip out are there any partners anybody else you'd like to shout out yeah i mean i get a lot of help obviously alex my girlfriend huge supporter of me helps a lot with uh, the happenings behind uh signature wheels helps me a ton 
true speed engineering a ton 303 and stable they do a lot of stuff for not just myself but also the raptor side of the events and uh, yeah i'm probably missing a bunch of people but that's about it well where can where can we find you so that we can find all the details on the builds Yes, yeah, so my Instagram, easiest place is the.kanakry, so K-A-N-A-K-R-Y on Instagram, easiest place. I awesome. post a bunch of stupid stuff, me getting tattoos, stuff like that, which don't actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a funny thing. So just really quick. So my dad passed away when I was like a little kid. I never knew my dad. And so... Over Thanksgiving, my sister and I, my sister lives in Houston. My mom was down there. We were like, mom, you never gave us a father. And I've never gotten over it. We were just like messing with her. And then while we were there, somebody had posted something and said, it was him getting a tattoo on his arm. It was covered with shaving cream. And it said, let me show you my new tattoo dedicated to my father. And he wiped it off and there was nothing there. And so I posted it and sent it to my sister. And I'm like, show this to mom. (laughs) Oh my god savage that is funny it's oh god all right well we'll put those links you know on the on the page when we when we post this but yep. any more questions we got guys no i no, know good man super awesome. interesting. absolutely yeah it was awesome yeah. to meet you i really i really you know i haven't we haven't had a lot of conversations or anything i i did talk to you i was the one obviously who talked to you on on professional awesome email and stuff like that. when i have my crazy and idea online. cutting a hole in the bottom yeah. of the car yeah, cut it. And, and I was trying to talk you out of cutting a huge hole in your car, but you know, whatever. You do you. If you want to cut it, we can talk about it again. <laughs> I'm always trying to talk people out of cutting huge holes and things. But yeah, it's funny because I'm the one who always cuts up the cars when when we do stuff. So it is what it is. But we do appreciate it. It was awesome. I love the background. Love the insight on you know everything you do and all that. We're gonna go find some carbon cars to protect ourselves yep. from EMP and zombies potentially. Gotta do that. Don't know. Who knows what's gonna happen? But yeah, there you go. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you being here and yeah, we'll get this posted. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for talking guys. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Psst. It's that time again, boys. I need those goddamn reviews. You can say that Devin is forcing you to do them. Or you can leave some genuine feedback, and I'll be sure to read them and get them back to the boys. In the meantime, you can join our Facebook group, which is Professional Awesome Technical Forum. You can follow us on Instagram at Professional Awesome Racing, and we have a Facebook regular page with the same name. But until then, we'll talk to you later, and we really appreciate you listening.